I, I think that's the most exciting thing about this uh, this opportunity is that, is that we, we have a clean slate to build something that's bigger and better than anything else in, in America and uh, not just America but even world renowned. The Miami Makeover is officially underway. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, the first episode of 2021. I am your host on this week's podcast, and with me, as always, is my co-host, David Beckham's long-lost cousin, Steve Brenner. Steve, it's been a busy day, but, you know, it's our first episode back, so how was your 2021? How'd you bring it in, and, you know, how's the family doing? Yeah, everyone, everyone's great, thanks. I brought it in by falling asleep at 11.30 on, uh, <laughs> on New Year's Eve, so it's pure, pure rock and roll to get ready um, ready for the new year, but, um, yeah, no, look, you know, new year, that means the sort of changes, and people sort of take take stock and take account, and it looks like, you know, into Miami, we've been doing that pretty comprehensively in the last few weeks so a, a reboot for 2021 which i think you know in the end of the day was 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 needed and um yeah it's going to be exciting to see how it all, all all develops it's been a few weeks since we've last been on uh, i think it was december 15th or the 16th was the last pod we had on that pod i will say uh, shameless plug that i did mention phil neville as a possible coach to keep an eye on and he is now inter miami's uh, official head coach for this upcoming 2021 season. We'll touch on that. We'll touch on the Chris Henderson hire as well as all the recent player moves and rumors. So a lot to talk about. We'll answer your questions as well. Um, but of course, before we get into everything, just a reminder, I'm going to give us a follow on our social media accounts. And that's again at Miami Total Football on YouTube and Facebook at MIA Total Football on Twitter. And also now on Instagram. All right, Steve, so let's get to it. Steve, so let's dive right into it. Uh, there's plenty to talk about. And let's start with Phil Neville. There's two hires made today. Obviously, Phil Neville was hired as the head coach and Chris Henderson as the sporting director slash chief soccer officer. So two big hires, uh, two positions that needed to be filled after Diego Alonso and Paul McDonough left the club or were or, or given the boot Um over the past few weeks. Let's start with Phil Neville. What do you think about the hire and what's your takeaway from, from that appointment? Yeah, you know, look, it's, it's a it's a great hire. I'm not saying that with my English English hat on. Um, um, you know, I think he, he, he was wanting to break into the men's game for, for quite a while. He, he was applying for jobs, wasn't really getting getting any any luck. And then, you know, this, this opportunity came around. I know the FA thought he was going to lead you know, the Olympic team, the Team GB in, in the summer. And he, he kind of said that was his goal. But, you know, I mean, it's, that's fine. I mean, you know, he's keeping his options open. OK, someone someone's going to get upset because they're going to be left out. But, um, you know, he, he's taken that clean break now. And, and what, what a great opportunity for him. That that said, we know it's not going to be easy because I was just going to come in here and, and you know, work, work magic straight away. Um, it helps that his, his mate, David, owns the, owns the team, which is a, which is a plus. But... You kind of think this is the route, or the you know that we expected them to kind of go down with this ownership in terms of him bringing in someone that he knows. You know they played together nearly over 270 times for Manchester United during that great period when you know that Alex Ferguson's teams won pretty much everything. He's known Beckham since he was a teenager, um, so we kind of expected that. But I think when you know if you look back, I know it's in retrospect, it was such a rush, wasn't it, to try and get ready for the season? And I think they were just desperate just to try and get something on you know a, a, a front office and a coaching team together and and maybe they were just a little bit rushed and they gave it a year it didn't work out the way they thought it was going to do so they've, they've made the change and it, it kind of feels like it's got more of Beckham's sort of stamp over it before it seemed more like he was being guided by maybe those that are on the ground here in South Florida um, and you know it's interesting you know Beckham's been in Miami for the last few weeks he's been hands-on he's been down at the club um, and that's that's the most sort of involvement that we've seen sort of publicly for for months. So um, that I think that's 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 a positive because in the end of the day, it was a lot of it. It was about him and how he would mould and shape this club in in the image of of him as a player, which was someone that you know had the highest standards. And um, 
So he's gone for his, his old mate, who's, who's a qualified coach, who did a good, decent job with the women's team, didn't really take him to that next level. But And now he's, he's got a big chance. It's, it's a great chance for him, but it's not going to be easy. So you said you think it's a great hire. And you said you don't have your England flag on and it's not in the background of where you're sitting. Um, but I'm going to go, and I think we're going to disagree and argue a little bit more this year. Um, just just my, my opinion, just based on how, how I think we view the game. I don't know how you can call this a great hire. Um, he's never been a coach of a men's team, the head coach of a men's team, and he's never coached a club team. I, I mean, I don't understand what qualifications he has other than the fact that he's uh, a former teammate and someone David Beckham knows very well as to be the head coach of Inter Miami. I don't, I'm not sure his about coaching, the hire. His coaching ability, his coaching ability should, should you know, gives, gives him the job in the first place. I mean, he, he wouldn't just appoint him without thinking that he was a decent coach, but anyway. Inter-Miami clearly has pushed the reset button, right? And, and they've gone... I think they hit a home run with Chris Henderson. We'll touch on him in a little bit. But I can't say the same with with Phil Neville, because Phil Neville is still very much an unknown commodity as a head coach. Unknown, yes. It's fair, relatively it's unknown. Relative, so we don't know. He could be good, he could be bad. But that I don't... Like, for a team that has these high ambitions and, like, is, is looking to become... Once again... One of the biggest teams in this hemisphere, and, and uh, Phil Neville said that in the opening remarks he had with the interview that he did with Inter Miami, is he wants you know he thinks his team can be a world-renowned team. So they have high ambitions that hasn't changed. But does hiring a coach that hasn't proven a whole lot match those ambitions? I mean, I just don't understand what qualifications he has to to have gotten this job for a team that wants to be so much. I just I don't see it. You know, there's going to be calls of, of nepotism um, from people on both sides of the pond because it's, it is David Beckham's, not only his former teammate at Manchester United and his former teammate with the England national team, it's also a business partner. They both are in the ownership group of Salford City, a fourth division side in England. And they're also friends. You Google Phil Neville and David Beckham and there's pictures of them eating together, pictures of them at the Eiffel Tower. They are friends. So this this hire is clearly a David Beckham choice. Um, but I just, I mean, I don't know. I can't, I can't call it a great hire and today. Maybe, you know, a year from now, if they've won MLS Cup, then, you know, I can I'll sing a different tune then. But as of right now, today, I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't even... Yeah, I, I just can't. I can't call that a great hire, man. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't think I said it was. It was. I, I'm pinning my hopes. It's going to be a, on a great hire. I just think it's. It, it just it just seems to make sense. It didn't. Diego Alonso came in. It didn't work for for, for many many different reasons. I mm-hmm. just think if you're going to have someone, if they've got these high aspirations, you need someone to sort of lead from the front publicly. And I, Diego Alonso don't, don't think was that guy. I think Phil Neville is that guy. But yeah, in terms of coaching and an MLS experience, zero. Very little coaching experience in the men's game, uh, but but has you know was seasoned seasoned player had a ten you know played in the Premier League for a number of years, well over a decade. Played for England, worked under Sir Alex Ferguson, all that kind of stuff. I think that does all add in. You've got to start somewhere. I think this this is a good opportunity for him. He managed England, although bit, you know, the women's team in the in the World Cup got to the semi final. He knows about those big game experiences, and I think. You know, I think he's worth. I think he's worth a shot. Put it that way. I'm not nailing my hat to the my England hat to the mast now and say we're going to into Miami are going to win the, the championship for the next ten years. But I just, I just think it's they needed to make a change. I think it's a positive change, and I think he could he can make a difference. I just think he'll represent and be a figurehead for the club in a way that perhaps you know Diego Alonso didn't. But again, the other front office hires are gonna are gonna help out. And if you see that Beckham is a bit more hands on as well. Then maybe you know that it's more of a joint effort, maybe potentially this season than it was last year, when it all just seemed just a little bit too fragmented. So you know, look, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. So if you don't, if you don't think, if you didn't want him in, who 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 would you want to see there instead? I mean, I would have liked Patrick Vieira, although reportedly he doesn't want to return to MLS at, at this point um, in his coaching career. Um, but there's a whole world of, of, of candidates uh, in this global sport that we call soccer or football or football. And getting someone that's as unproven as Phil Neville is just, to me, it's just not not the right answer. I'm going to give him a fair shake. I'm going to, you know, see, see how he does. And um, But I de- I'm not going to sit here and say I don't have questions as to 
what he can offer this team if he can get this team to to the level it wants to be at because he just hasn't proven it. It's just to me, it's it's a bit of a of a head scratcher. Obviously, it's against David Beckham's fingerprints are are all over this one, which brings up an interesting question that I have: If time passes, let's say a season and a half or two pass, and Chris Hen- uh, and Chris Henderson deems Phil Neville's work not to be good enough. Does he have full authority to just say, hey, it's time to let this guy go, David, that's a decision I want to make? Or is it a longer conversation where now David Beckham has to be involved and say, well, uh, not maybe, maybe, maybe not. Like, how, how is that going to work now? Because this is not, you know, normally a sporting director comes in and he makes the coaching hire. But this time it's happened simultaneously and the owners have picked the head coach, or at least one of the owners has picked the head coach. So does Chris Henderson have full authority to, to act on, on how he how he thinks and how he believes things could play out? I mean, it's a hypothetical question, but um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think the, the dynamic there is going to bear watching over the course of the next uh, couple of years, for sure. I mean, look, they're, all, they're all grown men. They're all experienced with, within the game. I think that they'll probably sit down. You know, Phil Neville's got a two-year, an initial two-year deal. You know they'll they'll give it a year and they'll look at it and see how the first season went and they'll like I said they're all big boys and they'll sit down this time next year probably and and they'll look at it and they'll make a call on what they should do moving forward. So I mean, you know, but that that's that's for that's for in, in the future. You know, I think that the 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 bottom line is he's, he's been given that chance and he has to to do it for this season and they'll, 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 they'll take stock at the end of the next season and, and see where, and see where they're at. Um, you know, Chris Henderson was in Seattle for 13 years, won two titles, vastly experienced and he'll, he'll have input and just, just, just as, as well as Phil Neverwill and the rest of the coaching staff. And there's going to be another front office hire as well. So they're, they're all going to work together. So it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a risk just like any appointment. Nothing's, nothing is guaranteed, is it? In, in, sure. in life. Sure. So, you know, we can only, we can only, we can only wait and see, but I, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't totally write him off. He's got good coaching pedigree. Um, you know, you just got to look at his, his playing career to see that. I know it's, you know, it doesn't always replicate into, into. Yeah. You know, I mean, doesn't, it doesn't translate. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily translate. And look, I, I'll agree with you that I think he will do or bring certain elements that Inter Miami maybe didn't have with Diego Alonso, right? He speaks English, so just in terms of doing media or or marketing the team, he's now much more helpful in that regard because now, you know, for example, now the local news stations can can be more uh, engaged with the team because now you have a head coach that speaks English whereas before, you know they they would have to have done a translation and just the local news news channels weren't weren't doing that so that's just one example of how i see there's boxes he can check off but if we're talking just on the field x's and o's i mean again i you know i'll give him his fair shake but we'll see we'll see cuz he's unproven man he's unproven I mean, we don't know do we we literally don't know but all we can do is look at look at his career exactly his but why but why not go for someone more proven that's i mean obviously any any hire is a like gamble who, though? any like who? any like, hire dude there's a wor- there's a world of candidates out there name you, one other name name one other than patrick Vieira. then go on name 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 a, a candidate we've not heard of uh um, put see. out some peruvian guy from the <laughs> no 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 um you could, I mean PSG's PSG's former head coach Thomas Tuchel. He's out there. He's free. But why not make a run? Why not make a run? Why not? Why not make a run? I mean, yeah. if you're gonna go foreign and you're gonna go unknown, why not go? Uh, would, I mean, would he leave PSG and go to? Would he? Would, I mean, obviously he left PSG, but he'd then go to Inter Miami, go to MLS. I mean, surely he'd be eyeing a job. No, no disrespect, but he'd be eyeing a job in Europe or. or I mean, but know, if Miami, if Miami can pay. Um, you know, a handsome, a handsome amount, then maybe he'd be, he'd be would, enticed. I don't, I don't think they would pay as much as a top Premier League team or a team in the Liga, but that, no, that's by the by. Does Thomas Tuchel need the money? Probably not. I, I don't think they're in a position to to try and get a, a coach of that caliber. To be honest, I really I mean, don't. I, you just, I, I just gave you one name. I mean, again, if if Thomas Tuchel is just one name, I, I'm just coming off Gallardo, the top of my head. Gallardo was mentioned last time. River Plate. Would he want to leave River Plate? I mean, I mean, you know, but this, if it's a Beckham hire, he's probably not going to South America, right? But I think you could have gotten someone in Europe. With your connections, David Beckham. I mean, I, 
you know, they're they're always painted to be. He's got great connections, and he, you know, everyone's always buzzing his phone and ringing his phone, and everybody wants to be involved with this great project. So, I mean, just based off that alone, I would have to imagine there there are other candidates um, that were maybe more proven that they could have obviously taken a gamble on. You like nothing is proven, nothing nothing is certain um, in in sports, but I don't know. I think a more proven option would have been better. We'll see how it goes once the team takes the field. Um, and we'll talk about his his style a little bit later on in, in the Q&A session because we have some questions about him as a manager. Now, speaking of proven commodities, the other hire that was announced Monday was Chris Henderson. And he, again, he joins the team as the sporting director. The position he had initially interviewed for uh, in 2018, he was a finalist for the position, but Inter-Miami went with the decision to hire Paul McDonough instead. So Inter-Miami, I guess, righting a wrong there maybe, and now making him the chief soccer officer and sporting director. I think this is a home run hire. I I really like this hire for Inter-Miami, whereas I I have a lot of questions um, with regards to Phil Neville. I think the hiring of Chris Henderson is, one, overdue. Uh, They probably should have gone his route the the on the first round of interviews when, when they had made the hire the initial time and um i really like what what i think he can do with with this team and also in, in 2001 at the miami fusion he was named the club's humanitarian of the year so don't just don't don't forget that he's a proven commodity in mls he's helped build the seattle sounders and what they are which are a winning franchise one of the most recognizable franchises in major league soccer one of the biggest brands in MLS. Well, his, um, res- his resume, again, his resume is, is fantastic. 13 years of sporting director at, at Seattle, two, two MLS Cups in 16 and 19, four, four US Open Cups, Supporters Shield, four Western Conference titles, and the first uh, and becoming the first MLS expansion team since 2005 to reach a postseason in each of its first seven campaigns. So that, now that is, that is proper sort of, you know, great excellent you know material there to, to to work with so you'd think that someone of that vast experience was essential for anyone especially european coming to mls because it's such a different league in terms of travel and working and, and the way things operate you know if they if they can dovetail together which i'm sure they will like many sporting directors i went to portland uh, last summer met gavin wilkinson and you really got felt felt like him and uh, Gio Savarese really sort of mixed mixed together and, and dovetailed off each other. So, you know, was there that same correlation between Diego and, and Paul McDonough? Looking back now, you look at it and think, mm, this this sounds better, even though you're completely not sure about the Neville hire, but Love Henderson, um, you know, there's, they'll work they'll work together. All, they'll work together between them. So it's like a new a new emphasis. So I think his Chris Henderson's role should never be discounted. He's, he's vital role but has such great experience yeah so in the interview that Inter-Miami released today you know Phil Neville touches on on the Chris Henderson hire and he says you know we're starting our journey together obviously he means their Inter-Miami journey together and I I look forward to seeing how how it works out again I've you know I think and we did say this we touched on this on the last pod a month ago I said if you had put you know Chris Chris Henderson's resume down in front of me I would have hired him if I was making the shot, if I was calling the shots. I think he's he's more than ready to, to, to lead a team and be the number one, which is you know one of the reasons he, he decided to leave the Seattle Sounders. I mean, I, I can read you the quote here from the team's press release. This is an incredible opportunity to take the next step in my career, return back to South Florida, and solidify my mark on this league. That quote is money. Um, you know, it shows he's ambitious. It shows he's he's ready for this challenge. And I mean, again, I think I think it's a great hire. I can't I can't stress that enough. Clearly, plenty of people around the league think this that Inter Miami got it right. Yeah, and it's, it's in, in Miami is a leading market, just like L A. And, and New York. You know, people look at Miami and they want to they want to come here for for the lifestyle and also but for the project that the, the football club soccer club uh, are, are building. And, and Beckham, you know, is the figurehead of that, and it makes it exciting and and sexy and, and whatever. And, it, and it's an attractive proposition for anyone, you know, regardless of, of what happened last season. It's still it's still a newsy club it's still interesting and newsworthy and people want to be a part of it so that that's that's great absolutely and if he can replicate the same type of player acquisitions that he did in seattle then miami will get to being i don't know if i'll get to that that peak level that they're talking about being one of the biggest teams in this hemisphere but 
certainly among the best in, in Major League Soccer um, because he's he's proven it not only with his acquisitions from within the league but also from without the league. You know, you look at a Peruvian striker like Raul Ruiz Diaz, not necessarily someone that everyone had on their radar before he arrived to Major League Soccer, but he's done a tremendous job since since then. So, and Chris Henderson's role is not just on the first team. He's got control or he's going to manage all levels of the sporting side of of Inter Miami. So, he's got he's got a lot of a lot of power, a lot of control in the team now, which again, I think that they're in in good hands uh, in that spot. And I have to and Steve, I will also shamelessly plug that I reported last week that Chris Henderson was coming to enter Miami. There's also news that someone else will come into the front office. Won't be up necessarily on the sporting side. It'll probably be on the business side. It'll be a foreign hire. So that's something to keep an eye on because that was not that has not yet been announced. So something to keep an eye on. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back to talk about the player moves that have happened over the past few weeks. Steve, it's been several weeks since we've had a pod, so there's been quite a bit of roster movement from Inter Miami. Some of the players that are gone are Ben Sweat, who was traded to Austin FC. Luis Robles called time on his career. He retired uh, a couple of weeks ago. And Will Trapp and AJ De La Garza are now with Minnesota United and the New England Revolution, respectively. Inter Miami also, in terms of players incoming, they re-signed Breck Shea, and they traded for Patrick Segrist of the New York Red Bulls. And they signed an academy player in Felipe Valencia. Can't, can't forget that as well. It's their first ever academy signing. Wouldn't be surprised if we see another couple this offseason. But clearly there's been a lot of, a lot of roster movement as the team continues to prepare for 2021. Anything really notable for you on, on that end? Anyone that surprised you that came back or that got brought in or that you know left and went somewhere? Anything there of note for you? Well, I mean, you know, just, just the fact they've had to make all these these changes. You know, clearly there were there were problems um, you know, in with with the roster that, that was built last season. And, you know, it's kind of it's a shame that they've they've had to kind of move on you know, quite a lot of a lot of the players that were brought in. So, if if anything, they're kind of not starting from scratch, but you know, they're, they're starting from a pretty clean slate. Again, which again just is symptomatic of of all the changes you know that they've made. You know, it's a shame about Luis Robles. I thought he did well when when he was here. You know, um, so that that was a shame because I think his experience is something you can't really buy. And you know, I think he must have really added. Added to the group, so that that was a shame. He's also a great press conference as well, so he's a great talker. It's always it's always a shame to lose to lose someone like that. But um, let's just hope now that they they kind of know where they kind of made the mistakes last season. Yeah, I mean, for me, out of all those moves, I mean, not not too surprising, right? You know, I thought Ben Sweat, even though his option was picked up, didn't think he was going to come back. Obviously, he had a, had a lot of issues. Uh, yeah, I just didn't. I just nothing's really overly surprising there. I mean, Will Trapp did say that he did assess maybe returning to Miami or not um, when he when he was signed by Minnesota United. So it was it was a possibility. It was an option. It looks like, but he opted to go to to Minnesota. So not nothing there really too surprising. Obviously, AJ De La Garza, the maybe the best quote on the team last year is is off to the New England Revolution which was reported on SBI Soccer. Another shameless plug. That's my third one. I've had a hat trick of them. So um, it, for me, the one that was a bit surprising, and we there was a social media post that Inter Miami published about a little bit over a week ago maybe, saying goodbye to a number of players that had taken part in the 2020 season. And one of them, well, actually the first picture, was Andres Reyes, the young center back that Diego Alonso and Inter Miami staff were very high on. I rate him. I, you know, I'm not a scout, but just from what I see with my eyes, my opinion of him is is that he's going to turn out to be a really good player. Um, obviously, needs a little more experience, a little more games to work out, iron out the kinks that that obviously 
hindered him and hindered the team in in 2020. You know, it's it was reported today by my my editor Ivan Skolarsep that the New York Red Bulls are finalizing a deal to sign him. So Andres Reyes will return to MLS in 2021. It just will not be with Inter Miami. I thought that was that's pretty surprising that Inter Miami did not find a way to, to bring him back into into their books. Exactly. I mean, you know, but if they if they rated him so highly, why, why are they letting him go? You know, so I, I again, this is, it just smacks of a disconnect between Paul McDonough, Diego Alonso, the rest of the club. You know, they just, they seem to have got it, got it wrong or, or people have just been disagreeing with what, you know, who, who's making that call that, that Reyes is, is going to leave when they rated him or allegedly rated him so highly. Who's, Who's made that call? As, as we said a few weeks ago, people around the club have just spoken of, of it being a bit of very chaotic behind the scenes, a lot of mixed messages, not much communication. It, it was described to me as a mess. So that just sort of speaks a lot about these these different moves and all these players going out. It wasn't it wasn't a happy ship for for a number of a number of reasons, and that that is the proof is in the pudding with, with so many players, allegedly some that are supposed to be the next Franz Beckenbauer or something like that, on, on their way out. So what can you do? I, th- I think it came down to money. I think that's what what happened there because they had an option to buy him outright at the end of his loan and they chose not to exercise that option. But they made it a point during their official press release to single him out and say they were still in negotiations to bring him back. He was the only player that they identified publicly that they were attempting to bring back. So they they wanted to keep him. Now it's just a matter of if they couldn't come to an agreement on the financial figures. And I mean, that's that's the implication to me that that's why he's not coming back to Inter-Miami. Again, we haven't been able to speak to anyone yet still. Hopefully that will change over the next week or so. Hopefully we'll have a, a formal Zoom press conference in the coming days with, you know, maybe with Phil Neville, Chris Henderson, ownership. So we'll we'll see, but... I mean, to me, I think money was was the issue there, and it's. I think for Inter Miami, that's that's a shame because I think he's going to turn out to be a good one, not only in MLS, but I think someone that eventually gets sold to a club in Europe uh, for a decent transfer fee, and that would have been good business for for Inter Miami. But alas, they they opted not to not to go that route. There were two players that were omitted from that farewell post that are not currently under contract with the team and I think their omissions say something about their potential returns to Inter Miami in 2021 and those two players are Federico Higuain and David Norman Jr. David Norman Jr. youngster didn't play at all in in 2020 had a lot of injuries I would say he's maybe more up in the air but Federico Higuain even before that post I would have banked on him coming back he's got ties with his brother Gonzalo you know, they're going to want to keep Gonzalo happy. So for always expected Federico to, to come back. It hasn't been announced. That's not, you know, it's not official. But I would imagine that, that we hear that sooner rather than later. Yeah, we, you know, we remember getting very excited when he uh, when when he arrived and we never really saw the best of him. But I think that, you know, you, you need experience in these in these type of rosters. And I think he, he, he brings that um, and, and, you know, Effects sometimes are not just on the pitch; it's just it's everywhere in the locker room and everywhere else. So, the more experienced players you can keep, the better. Especially if they've lost someone like Lewis Robles. So, um, yeah, it's been interesting. And I wonder how how much Chris Henderson has been in the loop over the last few weeks. I know he's, he's had a job in, in Seattle, but you know, I'm sure they've they've kept him in the loop about various transfers, and I'm sure that he's well aware of Reyes and, and all the other guys. So he probably would have had his say. So don't don't be surprised if. Some of these moves have his sort of stamp stamp on them as well. I, I, I will say this: this this is news, not not a supposition. This is information. This is actual actual news. Paul McDonough obviously is no longer involved in the transition. Right when he was stepping down, they said in the press release he would help with the transition into the next front office hire. He was involved for several weeks, but as of at least a week or two now, he has not been involved in. in making any moves for Inter-Miami. So from here on out, it'll be Chris Henderson and co. uh, calling the shots. Something else that's news is something that Will Trapp said at the beginning of the month, again, when he signed with Minnesota United. I'm going to just paraphrase it. The the biggest part of his longer-winded answer when I asked him about what went wrong with Inter-Miami in 2020, why didn't it live up to the expectations that 
ownership and everyone had for it. And he said we were a collection of individuals. He chalked it up to that. And, and he never used the word identity, but based off of the longer-winded response, and you can read this piece on SBISoccer.com if, if you're not familiar with, with what I'm bringing up here. He talked about just the team never really understanding itself, never really finding an, that identity. And that's something that Phil Neville touched on a lot today during that interview that Inter-Miami sent out. So, um, you know, what did you make of, of Will Trapp's comments? Obviously, we've talked quite a bit about 2020, but maybe nothing surprising there. But just what did you think about, about him coming out and, and saying that? Well, he's right, isn't he? Because when they when they played, they didn't really play too much too much of it as, as a team. There was seemed to be that sort of proper team ethos. They showed it in in, in patches, but just just not enough. And look, we, we we're not sat in the locker room, so, so we don't know. But maybe you know Diego Alonso's magic, you know, um, man management skills perhaps were, were slightly lacking. There was that language barrier. You know, I'm sure he he, he understood English and could get his message across, but. Could he really properly get his message across to someone mm-hmm. like Will Trapp and know that you know Diego had English speakers in his backroom staff as well? So, I actually, you know, I it, actually heard during this off season that, and this is information that Diego Alonso would speak to the players in English sure. on an individual basis. Now, when it came to you know a larger team group setting, then maybe there he he you know he referred back to his Spanish, his native Spanish. So, but he did try to speak English to 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 the players uh, on occasion. Whether, again, whether that transmitted fully his ideas or whether that worked, I mean, you know, that's that's unclear because obviously, like you just said, it was it was a jigsaw puzzle that was very poorly put together. The pieces did not fit and you could and you could see that and that that, that came not only with the coaching hire, with a foreign coach that's not familiar with MLS to some of the player personnel decisions. We've touched on it quite a bit, um, so we don't need to tap into it too much but it's i think it's sheds a light again on the 2020 struggles because we just haven't heard again from anyone since the end of the season and you combine will traps comments with aja de la garza's after the the playoff loss and you start to see that this team even though in the locker room i heard that the the team got along really well uh you know I, i heard from from someone saying it was one of the best locker rooms that they've ever experienced in their career so i think they were a unified group at least behind the scenes but whether that chemistry was there and, and the pieces actually fit together that that clearly was was not the case so yeah i think it's, it's one thing of the players together but then if, if the, the the general setup there are problems within within the setup and how that's run i think that's a different i'm sure the guys got got on great but you know i, I spoke to people who, who, who said that they'd, they'd seen stuff going on behind the scenes that they'd never witnessed before working in soccer so something something wasn't something wasn't right so they needed to make that change. They made the change now for a complete fresh start with a very, very experienced guy in Chris Henderson and then a less experienced guy, but in Phil Neville in terms of coaching. But I think his ability around the facility, as they like to call it, and, you know, the the front office and the, and the playing staff, maybe he will just be able to get them together um, and play, get them better, get them playing better than, than they were do. But remember, you know, like Gonzalez Perez, I think Iguain and Matuidi were the, were the three players that we always kept bigging up, saying, you know, these are the, the key guys. They didn't come in until halfway through the season. So that, that always needs to be taken into consideration. Yeah, yeah. and I, I will read part of Will Trapp's quote here just so people have a little more context in case they didn't they didn't read the story. Uh, and then we can, we can close out this segment. But he said, I do not think we got to the point where we knew exactly what we were and you could see it in the final game. You're playing another expansion team in Nashville that ultimately knew who they were and they had put the system and the foundation in place to achieve that. And we were, again, a collection of individuals. Granted, it was a strong roster and there were super, super high-level players, but it is a team game. So to try to make it all work, I think there was still something left on the table and something left wanting in that regard. So that, end quote, that is something Inter-Miami clearly needs to address going forward. And I think that they will attempt to do so because Phil Neville said the word identity a lot in that interview. We're going to take another quick break and we'll come back for the Q&A session and our final thoughts after this. When the supporters come to the stadium, I think I think I want them 
to see a team play with an identity that say, yeah, this is an Inter Miami team, an exciting team uh, that play a real open brand of football. We, you know, we want to play technical football. We want to be aggressive. We want to play on the front foot. We want to go out and try and win every single game. I, I'm not a coach that likes to sit back. I I said when I started my journey as a coach, I wanted I wanted to be as brave as possible. I wanted to try and win every single game of football, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay true to those values at uh, Inter Miami. All right, Steve, it's Q and A time. Our first one of 2021. We'll do the same setup. Uh, I'll ask, and we can alternate responding, and then if the other one wants to add anything, then they can. So the first one comes from George at Will underscore Year underscore Way. Any news? regarding the super draft with Miami. So I've heard the Inter Miami's looking for defenders. I heard they're looking at a few of them potentially for that first round pick. So don't be surprised if they go the defensive route there, which makes sense given that right now they have what two center backs and then no one really behind Leandro Gonzalez Pires and Nicolas Figal. So could be a center back, could be a right back, but I would expect a, a more likely a center back. All right, the next question comes from Carlos J. Flores at midweight152. And this one I'll let you answer, Steve. What's the difference in coaching style slash formations likely used? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, I can only take what he did with the England women. He, he, I remember flying to Columbus for that first press conference when he was, you know, um, when he took charge in 2018. He wanted them to play on the front foot. He wanted to be expansive. He wanted to play attacking football. And I think in the end, maybe that was slightly his downfall with, with the England women's team. They just, some of them, some of them, they did, maybe didn't have the strength and depth technically wise to play like that. But that was the way, you know, I, 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 I sound like a broken record, but keep on harking back to, to his footballing DNA. I know it's a cliche, but where he was brought up in at Manchester United under Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the most expansive attacking teams that England ever seen and probably Europe has seen in the last sort of 25 years. Always on the front foot, had some obviously fantastic players around him. Very creative players. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo at the time was a young kid coming through. was was fantastic. Yeah, Beckham, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, you know, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Dwight York, Andy Cole, all these, you know, a, a great attacking talent. And that that was what he was brought up on. You know, you can imagine Diego Alonso working in in Mexico and in Uruguay, maybe a bit more pragmatic. Or, you know, not not as not as attacking. Um, but you know that that's I think he'll want to play like that. Whether or not he can play like that with the players at his disposal, that's the job now, isn't it? That's kind of get the right team together. But I think they've got a few things already in place where they can, you know, they they have Iguain, they have they have Matuidi, uh, Gonzalez, Perez, that that sort of core three, you know, the backbone of of the team, if, if you like. And then they have to try and build around it, and that's that's the job. That's why Henderson and Phil Neville paid the paid the big bucks. But I, I expect him not to be as pragmatic as Diego Alonso. I think he's gonna he'll probably have a go and, and be attacking, and try and be on the front foot a bit more, which I think is what. You know, they, they could have done a little bit more of last season. Sometimes they were just a little bit too negative. Yeah, he, he said that, you know, today again in that interview, he said that he wants to be attack-minded, That and he used the word brave. Um, he wants his team to play in a brave way. So, I mean, that, that's what most coaches say during their hire, though, right? Most coaches come out and say they want to play attacking soccer or free-flowing, free-flowing excuse me, soccer. No, you never really hear a coach in his introductory inter- interview or press conference say, "Oh well, I'm gonna park the bus and hit on the counter." You don't normally hear that. And then you know, once the ball gets rolling, then reality sets in, and, and people come more to terms of what kind of team they are, they are, or they have, and, and they can adjust to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know much about about him as a as a coach, so I'll take I'll take your word on on that, and we'll see how it plays out once the season gets going. Which leads us to the next question from J.R. Reed. He also asked about Neville's style and if it will fit the the desire of Moss, but we just touched on that. But this part is something interesting. He says, will there be a delay in the season if the players decide to strike? If so, can a deal be reached in time of the start of the season? So the players right now are in a bit of a situation, and I'm talking about players across all of MLS, not just Inter-Miami, um, where the league... Wants to negotiate a new CBA yet again, and the players do not. So the players have said they will not strike, that they're not going to go on strike. However, the league could opt to have a lockout, and that could lead the season to being postponed or 
you know, suspended altogether. Right now, all of it is up in the air. Teams don't even have start dates for preseason right now. Normally, they start at the end of January, and I believe uh, the initial target Inter-Miami was working with was January 25th. That's when they initially thought they would start preseason, but that clearly is not is now not happening because of what's going on with MLS and these negotiations. So until that gets sorted, you probably aren't going to see an MLS schedule for when the season starts. And I think it's very likely that this, that the season. I mean, this is just my opinion now, but I just I think it's very likely that the season does not start on time um, in 2021. I think it'll probably be mid to late March, maybe even even April, um, which which actually gives Miami some time to maybe make some deals and, and bring in some players because if if the season were starting in the beginning of March, they'd have a little bit over a month to try to round out this roster so um, maybe that's a, a good thing for inter miami although we're, we're definitely desperately waiting for soccer to to pick back up here uh locally steve next question comes from getting iggy with it he says how do you think all this changeover goes over with the players especially guys like Iguain and pizarro who i'm sure were sold a specific vision and now maybe things have changed not sure about Iguain's relationship with alonso but i know pizarro came here because of diego yeah, I mean, there was there was sort of a vision to come come to Miami. It will be great. We'll win loads of games, and it, it'll be a success. And it wasn't it wasn't like that, was it? I definitely think you know, obviously the the COVID situation played into the sort of weirdness of of everything that that went down. But um, look, I mean, you know, they're they're paid to to, to play football. Iguain and Matuidi are kind of getting towards in the twilight of their careers. They're experienced pros. They've seen managers come and go all the time. You know they'll they'll get on with it. Bizarro is an interesting one, isn't it? Like you say, that again, that was that was Diego's man, wasn't it? That he brought in was mm-hmm. was wasn't particularly great. Didn't didn't work out necessarily that that well for him. So will they try and move him on and and maybe spare up some money and, and get someone else? Is that, if that's a possibility, um, you know, these are the questions that, that need to be need to be answered really. But um, only time will tell. Only time will tell once Neville gets working and gets stuck into training and everything like that. You know, we'll have to wait and see if he can have that effect. Yeah, I think for the players, it's going to be interesting, right? Because there might be some players that are, you know, really on board with the change. And maybe there might be some that are a little more reluctant to, to have a coaching change in year two of this project. You know, Rodolfo Pizarro was probably told, hey, you know, Diego wants you. We want to bring you to, to this team and to be one of the, the key players. Now, is that still the case or does he still feel that way? with a different coach that's not Diego Alonso who he has who he had a very close relationship with I mean that's to be determined how do the you know the the South American guys view the coaching change and and their roles in the team I mean maybe maybe it does give you a bit of a, a refreshing change because of how poor things were last year but I could also see some players you know being a little worried or a little uncertain as to how they fit or what their role is going forward so we'll see we'll see how the players adjust and acclimate to, to the whole thing uh the and next side also i'm just going to say sure. you know, at the moment as, as we speak right now we're not really sure what his backroom staff is going to be like i think diego only lost took one person with him when he left um so some of the same guys are there is he going to bring in a whole new backroom staff that that or could also you know change stuff if he keeps a lot of it the same at least those players are aware of, of everyone else of, of the coaching staff that have been there that you know for the past year so you know let's let's see what happens on that score as well okay so the next two questions um fairly fairly similar so it comes from joseph Jim one and from red space cowboy um and they're both asking any ideas of who will be acquired at the club in this transfer window or is there any potential news on transfers for Miami? There there are some rumors out there. There are there have been some names linked. There was a goalkeeper that was mentioned. Uh, and I would imagine that some moves are more or less lined up right now. They just haven't been uh, announced because, again, the team needs more players than it has right now. It's, it's quite bare overall. So uh, I would expect some moves. As for specific names, I mean... I don't have any specific names to, to, to bring up. I, you know, nothing I can report here. There is obviously a report that's come out last couple of days. Hamilton Campas. Uh, so that's something to keep a, a keep an eye on. Sergio Romero's also been been linked for the goalkeeping spot. So we'll see we'll see what the players that they that they go with. We'll see who they are. But I would expect news very very soon. I, I think you could also expect maybe. Uh, 
some some signings from within, be it from the academy or, or maybe the USL team. So we'll see about that. Uh, Steve, I'll let you answer this next one. It's from Esteban. What will the identity of this team be? I, th- um, I think they'll be on the front foot when they play. I think they'll, they'll try and be attacking. I think they'll try and play with with a certain amount of style. I mean, you know, that that's it's how he was brought up and how Beckham was brought up playing playing for Man United, playing for England. Um, maybe not so much England. They probably weren't as as good as Manchester United. But um, he, he'll want to he'll want to he'll want to sort of take take the game to the to teams. But again, it's it's all about the recruitment, really, isn't it? Are they going to be able to get those players in? which will enable him to, to be able to play like that. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But as we said before, I think he's going to be, he's going to be more attacking and, and that may be, may be more positive. And I just think hopefully, you know, they can maybe get, get a kind of, you know, a couple of really sort of decent, decent name players in, or at least with, with good Europe, European or, or, you know, experience to try and, Fill fill the void left left by the others, and you know maybe Pizarro will move on, and, and maybe they can, can maybe use that to, to do something else there in that, in that particular role. So it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how it's going to unfold. All right, Steve. The next one comes from Gabe P. He says, "Do you think Inter Miami will get any of these players this time around?" Uh, and he's referring to the list of top prospects that MLSsoccer.com wrote up earlier today. Miami picks ten, so they could have a shot at. One of those 10 players listed on there. But again, just to reiterate, I would expect them to be more inclined to go for a defender and a center back in the, in those in that pick and maybe even with one of their later picks in, in the draft. Not necessarily players that are going to come in and start regularly right away, but players that you can have for depth options and groom into something further down the road. Okay, next question comes from Andres. He says, Hamilton Campas is rumored to MLS and the club is likely to be Miami. What are your thoughts on this potential move? I don't know much about the player, but it seems to, to fit what they want to do. Next one comes from Prison Mike. Uh, he's got the mic from the office as his, as his picture. Um, he asks about the style as well, but we touched on that. So I'll just go to the second part of his question. What players do you think will benefit from the new style of football um, that that head coach will bring. So, Steve, any player in particular that you think is really going to benefit from from Phil Neville's uh, arrival? Well, I mean, you know, you just look at the attacking ones that they had last year. You know, Lewis Morgan was great. Uh, I remember vaguely, you know, it seems like years ago, doesn't it, when they played against Nashville in that playoff game. But there were there were the questions about where exactly he was playing. Sometimes he was playing a bit far left and he was part of a, a front three. We didn't really know. Um, he, he could certainly benefit I think Bizarro is the big the big question mark. What, what are they going to do with him if he stays? Are they going to try to get the best out of him? I think he would suit the, the type of football he's going to play. He's nice on the ball. You know, he links to play nicely. He's got a good touch. Um, so you know, what what's he going to what's he going to do? What's going to happen there? I think they'll have to make a call on that relatively soon because then they need to to work the European transfer window, especially now, you know, where it's, it, it's the windows open now, but it closes, it closes in two weeks. So it's, it's a race against time really to try and sort of get stuff done for the start of the season. If anything, the bigger name could maybe come midway through once the seasons in Europe have finished. But again, with the way everything that's going on right now, we don't know when if the seasons are going to be delayed, if the Euros are going to happen, you know, all this, all these kind of things all, all up in the air. So there's, there's so, so much work for them to do mainly because of the mess that they a lot of people made sort of last season they have to sort out and they don't have a lot of time so it's like I say we're going to have to just watch this space and see what they can work out but it's going to be difficult it's going to be difficult and I'm you know I'm saying I'm, I'm bigging not bigging him up I'm saying I think it's a it's a good appointment it's an interesting appointment it's a good opportunity for him I think it's 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 going to be a difficult job for him it's absolutely going to be difficult it's not going to be easy at all it's, you know he's picking up a fragmented squad that didn't do that great last season and he has to turn him around. So he's up for the challenge, but it's, it's not going to be easy. And I'm sure when we speak to him, he'll say that. He, he doesn't, he won't think anything's just a given just like that. He's experienced enough to know that you've got to work hard for it and, and try and work out your, your problems and everything like that and find solutions to him. So it's, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Steve's going to give Phil Neville a very long leash this season. I can tell you it now. That's my prediction for 2021. Clean slate, the honeymoon. I will say Gonzalo Higuain maybe has a, a lot to benefit from the type of, of soccer that Phil Neville uh, apparently wants to play. Obviously, Gonzalo Higuain only scored one goal during the second half of last season, so 
his production can probably only go up from here, um, especially if player, he especially man. if he gets more service. He's a good, he's a great player. Sure, he's a great player. Absolutely. So it's just what they have around him. That's all. Absolutely. Um, so that does it for the Q and A session uh, for this week. Steve, we'll wrap things up with our final thoughts, and you can go first there. Um, look, yeah, clean slate, new year. Um, unfortunately, we've got some of the same problems, but I just they had to, they had to make a change. I know we said that you know Diego Lonzo should be maybe potentially given time in a proper preseason, but there were clearly problems. So they, they've made the call, they've they've made the appointment, and let's 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 see what happens. But I definitely think putting my journalism hat replacing my England hat. Um, you know, I think this makes the club more newsworthy. Not that the fans need to hear that, but I think it it makes them more exciting. It, it gives it a new storyline. They'd be out of the impetus, and I think it, it translates well to sort of worldwide for sure. That you know, you've got a, um, you know the, the the Neville Beckham sort of axis thing is, is an interesting story. And we'll see we'll see what happens. Beckham clearly wasn't happy. He's made changes. He's gone for his mate, his old mate, who he trusts, who he, who he knows that he's had the same football education as, as he has. Is it is it going to work? I'm sure if you both sat down and had sat down and had a beer with them both, they'll 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 be positive. But you don't know, do you? You don't know until you try. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I just like the way that Beckham's just got hands on. He's made some calls and he's he's trying to do it his way, which is what we expected the first time around. But yeah, I think the time constraints were against him. So he's, he's assessed it and he's made a change. And let's let's see what happens. A lot. A, it's his call. He's, he's it's it's a big call. Let's see if let's see if it works out. I'm a bit more cynical um, than you, admittedly so. So um, not as not sure I agree with a lot of that there. But I'll say this: you know, David Beckham. We talked about during the second half of last season how he kind of faded into the into the background. It wasn't promoting the team as much. That was not only noted by us. I also heard players, you know, within the team notice that as well. They noticed that withdrawal or that that uh, that public withdrawal. So now he's fully engaged fully on board and you know putting his his fingerprints much more on this team so so now now we'll see him much more involved i've heard you know he's going to be in in miami for quite a bit of time obviously uh things are very tight and and shut down uh in the uk because of covid and florida especially south florida is one of the more open you know cities or, or markets um probably in in all of the world so uh, I think he'll he's going to be spending a lot more time in South Florida, and we're going to see now. It's going to be David Beckham's chance to see if, if the success that he has with all his brands carries over into on the field because this team is is his and Jorge Mas's, but obviously he's the face. So the success will be, or the failures will be tied directly to him now more than ever. But that does it for this week's uh, edition of the show. Please don't forget to give us a follow on all our social media channels and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. As always, I'm Franco Panizo signing off here with Steve Brenner, and we'll be back next week, guys. 